Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Saturday, May 6, 2017. Our topic today is something that every believer needs to be aware of, the deception of the generation that lives at the time that the Lord Jesus returns, which is this generation. Great deception is coming on this generation and one of the primary ways it's coming is through false prophets. And the Lord Jesus specifically warned us about this in Matthew chapter 24. In fact, it was the very first thing he said after his disciples asked him to tell us about the time of, the, of his return at the end of the age. And that's in Matthew 24 verse 3. And then in verse 4, Jesus answered them. The very first thing he says is, see to it that no one misleads you. I mean, that must be very important for this generation. He's speaking specifically for our generation. See to it that no one misleads you. And he says, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. And so there he's telling us these people are going to come in his name. In other words, they're going to use the name of Jesus Christ. They're going to be using his name. And that by itself is already very deceptive because if someone comes in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, we're inclined to think, well, they must be a Christian brother. They must know God. They must have received the same Savior that I received. But what he's saying is they're going to come in his name, but they're not from him. They don't know him. They've come to mislead and they will mislead many people. And this is where every believer has to learn to follow the inner witness. You know, the world, the whole world is led by what they see with their physical eyes and what they hear with their physical ears. And if that's all we ever rely on, we are prime candidates to be deceived because it's that inner witness that will discern when the false comes. We'll know the the true from the false. And if you've ever heard about people who study uh, currencies and how to recognize phony currency, counterfeit currencies, they learn by studying the true currency, the right currency, and that's how they're able to detect the variance between the true and the false. And so we have to know the true. We have to know uh, a personal relationship where we have developed our spirit man to hear and recognize that inner voice, that inner witness, because when we look in the natural realm, things are not what they are. They're not always what they appear to be. And so if we're led by that, we're in in danger. And so I want to give an example of an encounter I had this week uh, with some people that came to my house and they were from the Mormon church. And I believe this is a great example of exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said, beware of these people, they're going to come in my name. And they call themselves the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They're, they put his name right in the title of what they are. But yet, the Jesus Christ that they claim to know is not the Jesus Christ that we know. And I'm sorry if you're a Mormon, and I know it's possible for someone to sit in the Mormon church, they may uh, you know, surrender their heart and life to the real Jesus in spite of the uh, indoctrination that they're getting 
uh, of false teaching through the Mormon church, but uh, the church itself is a deception to lead. It is designed to lead people away from the truth. It is not of God. It is not of Jesus Christ. It is a lie. Now, God did an amazing thing at my house this week, and I wasn't planning to share it, but uh, yesterday during my prayer time, I felt like God put it on my heart, share this testimony. And I thought, but how does this fit in? You know, where this is not really a news event. But then I realized absolutely it is because it's exactly in line with the warning that Jesus gave to our generation about these false prophets, false witnesses. So what happened here at my house started last Sunday when my wife and I had ordered a truckload of topsoil to be delivered to our house. Uh, We've lived in this house for over 15 years, and during that time, the rain water has washed away a lot of our topsoil, and so we had to go and and fill a lot of different uh, places uh, with with topsoil. And so this truckload was dumped in my driveway, and I told my wife, "No problem, I'll I'll take care of it. I'll spread that dirt. I'll." pull out the old wheelbarrow and shovel and get it done. And, you know, I I started Sunday, I started to spend a few hours and quickly realized, you know, that, uh, you know, this is not something I'm used to doing. I'm used to sitting at my desk uh, on my computer and, you know, uh, clicking a mouse. And so after a few hours of shoveling barrel load after barrel load, my lower back started really hurting. And uh, so I was done for the day even before I ran out of daylight. And my wife really wanted to get it done because she is having people over for a shower later today. And she wanted it all to be, you know, the driveway to be clean, obviously, but also to have the dirt spread so it all would look better. And so I, you know, I promised her I'd get it done. But yet... uh I didn't get a whole lot done on Sunday, and then on Monday, my back was too sore, and so I didn't do anything. And then on Tuesday, I kind of got off schedule, got a late start, and, you know, I did a little bit of work, but it got dark, and to be honest, my back was hurting pretty bad still on Tuesday, so not a lot got done that day either, and we made it all the way to Wednesday and still have this huge pile of dirt in our driveway. And so I go out on Wednesday, and I filled a few loads, spread them around, and I'm thinking, wow, this is big. And so I turn around and see, walking up my driveway, three young men, all wearing white shirts and ties. And I thought they're either, they've either got to be Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. I didn't know which, but my first reaction was uh, to go hide in my garage. And then I realized this is a pretty dumb idea because they all saw me out there. I mean, we made eye contact, even though they were like, you know, maybe 150 feet away, they clearly saw me. So I said, this is not going to work. I can't hide from them. I'm just going to have to go deal with it and talk to them. So I went back out in the driveway and they came up and talked to me and introduced themselves. And they're very nice, nice young guys probably in their early 20s. 
Now, I have not spent a lot of time studying the beliefs of the Mormon church. And so my mind is kind of racing, like, what can I ask these guys? What can I say? And I didn't really know quite where to start. But then they started telling me that they followed the prophet, Joseph Smith. And now when they said the prophet, and they followed the prophet, it was like bells went off in my head, because I just spent the last four and a half years learning about prophets and prophecy. Uh, I started Z3 News in November 2012, and it has been a crash course in prophets and prophecy. I never knew there was so much to learn about prophecy. It is a vast topic, wide and deep. There's a lot to learn. And so I've been learning a lot of it just by trial and error, you know, studying and finding it in the scriptures and then trying to apply what I'm learning, but also making a lot of mistakes along the way and just baptized by fire, basically, because here it is, what do you do? But thank God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit because he guides us into all truth and he's merciful. You know, if we make a mistake, just, you know, don't keep making the same stupid mistake over and over and try his patience, but uh, we're learning here. So when they said they follow the prophet, well, I knew what to say then because I told them, you know, in the Old Testament, people followed prophets because God had not yet given the Holy Spirit. So the people did not have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one that the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And that veil had separated the Holy of Holies, which is where the presence of God was, so that the common people and even the priests, other than the high priest, they could not enter in. And the high priest could only enter in once a year. And even then, his life was in danger. He had to do everything precisely the way God told them. And only once a year, he could enter into the Holy of Holies. But that veil was ripped, supernaturally torn from top to bottom. So we know it was not torn by any man, but by the power of God as the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was slain once and for all, whereas before they had offered animal sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sins, and the people relied on the ministry of the high priest to to make this uh, offer of sacrifice for, for them in their behalf. But after Jesus was crucified on the cross, his blood paid the price for all of our sins, and as it says in John Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. And he did it once and for all so that we no longer have to sacrifice animals and shed their blood for the forgiveness of our sins. So when the Lord Jesus was crucified and died on the cross, everything changed. And we were then granted access. Every person could then receive the Holy Spirit, which is why when Jesus was raised from the dead and appeared to his disciples, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit.
whereas before he had been crucified, they could not receive the Holy Spirit. The price had not been paid, and in God's eyes, uh, his Holy Spirit could not reside inside them. But now today, every believer has been granted direct access to enter boldly into the throne room of God, and that's stated in Hebrews 4.16. And so I started explaining this to these guys, and I told them the gift of prophecy in the Old Covenant was much different back then because the people, not having the Holy Spirit, they had to rely on God to speak to a prophet, and then the prophet, you know, God's chosen prophet, would then speak his word to the people. So it was perfectly acceptable to God. This was the way people heard the word of the Lord uh, through the scriptures as well as through the prophets. But that is not the way the gift of prophecy works today. We are no longer led by prophetic words given to other people. And anyone who tries to do that is going to find out it's the way of disaster. And I told these guys a story of an email that was sent to me a few months ago. A man sent me an email saying, God told me, and I didn't even know who this man was, never heard of this guy. He, he emails me and says, God told me to tell you that you're supposed to move to Dallas. And I replied and said, I mean, fortunately, I knew better. I knew that was not the way it works because God had never said a word to me about moving to Dallas. And so I replied to him and said, just as soon as God tells me to move to Dallas, you know, I'll be glad to do it. Otherwise, I'm not going anywhere. And that's just one example that I gave them, but I told them that people's entire lives have been wrecked by listening and being led by prophets, because that is not the way it works in this day and age, this time that we live in under the new covenant. And so it's up to us to understand what time it is from God's perspective and operate according to the way he has said. And I've heard stories of people who have even made major decisions in their life, not only moving, but maybe getting married to someone. If a prophet said, you're supposed to marry her, so the, a couple will get married based on the word of a prophet. When they never took time to take it to God and say, you know, find out directly what is God speaking to them. And so then I, I told them that the Apostle Paul explained how the gift of prophecy works in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. He explains, prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and consolation. Now, edification means building, building up. When you're building a building, you're edifying. You're, it's called an edifice. So, edification means that you're building on something because when buildings are built, they're not built out of on top of nothing. They're always built on top of something. There has to be a foundation first before you can build. No building is built without a foundation. The, the foundation, in fact, is the most important part. So the way prophecy works in the New Testament is first we have to have the foundation. First we have to have the personal relationship with God where we go to Him per personally, one-on-one. -on -one. We seek God for ourselves. God speaks to us. God puts it in our heart so we 
hear and we we feel on the inside something that he's that is resonating what is he speaking to our heart and he can speak in all sorts of different ways it doesn't have to be an audible voice it rarely almost i don't i've never heard an audible voice but on the inside we hear the spirit of god speaking and it's that still small voice on the inside so that's where it starts that has to be the very first step until we have that there's no point in getting prophetic words from other people because God has designed it to work that way. And so it starts with a revelation from God in our heart, and then God confirms it. And He can confirm it in all sorts of different ways. He can confirm it through a prophet, or He can confirm it through a heathen. Heathens can say things they don't even know what they're saying. They don't even understand what they're speaking into, but yet God's using them to speak something that confirms what we already heard from Him. So if we're listening and tuned in, we can hear the voice of God in all sorts of different ways and places and all sorts of different, through all sorts of different people. And so the the focus is always on God and never on going to someone else. We don't have to dial a prophet or go seeking somebody to confirm something. God God will confirm it, and God will use whoever He chooses and do it whatever way He chooses. And we don't even have to worry about it. Just ask Him to confirm it, and He will. And so I told these guys the whole idea of following the ministry of a prophet and a book written by a prophet, which they believe is on par with the Scriptures, the Bible. You know, I told them that the Bible is complete because it starts with Genesis, which is the beginning, and it ends with the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the end, and it's all about the end times and how the the whole end of this age comes to pass. And so there's no part missing. It's got everything that we need in it, and we don't need another testament, which is what they call it, another testament of Jesus Christ. Well, we have the testament of Jesus Christ, and everything that Jesus Christ did on the cross is done. We don't need another testament. And we especially don't need to be led by a prophet, which is contrary to the scriptures. Right there, they are in violation of the scriptures. So it's not only is it another testament of Jesus Christ, but it's a contrary testament because prophecy and the new covenant doesn't work that way. And so I challenged them and said, first you have to hear God for yourself. Then he will confirm it. And if Joseph Smith was a true prophet of God, and if you were truly in right relationship with God, you would already have heard whatever it is that Joseph Smith had to say, and he would only be confirming what God has already revealed to you. But instead, they're building an entire faith system around the words of a prophet, and then they teach and indoctrinate their people so that they understand everything from the perspective of what this man says he heard God reveal to him. And so that's just not the way it's supposed to work. And I told him that, and they seemed to listen. They didn't really say a whole lot. They didn't offer a rebuttal. I don't know if it was something that they had never heard it put to them that way before because they're well-trained on how to reply to different questions that 
Christians would say or ask them. But they had no reply. They just politely listened. And uh, it started getting dark. And so this whole time, my wife is inside the house, and she's starting to freak out because, you know, this project, this dirt spreading project had taken several days already. Nothing much was getting done. And now they see she sees another day slipping by. So she decides to call me on my cell phone, hoping to, you know, give me an out with these guys. And unfortunately, though, they were standing right next to me and they could hear everything she's saying. So they start chuckling and I couldn't say anything. So uh, that didn't work. So we hung up and a little while later, she walks outside and you could we could tell from the tone of her voice she was frantic like how's the project going it's getting awfully dark you know hint hint so amazingly these guys and this is part of what they do in their mormon missionary ministry they will offer to do works of service so they said well we can help you spread the dirt so they all three of them just went to work. And I, you know, I, first I told them they didn't have to do that, but then they kind of said, you know, they mentioned it several times. And I said, okay. So they started working. And with four of us now, we had four of us working. Um, we had two shovels, one wheelbarrow, and I had the rake, which was about my speed, just to spread the dirt that they laid down. But they started working super fast, and I had I didn't realize how slow I was at shoveling dirt into the wheelbarrow because of my back. But when I started watching these young guys, I was amazed because it's like one continuous motion. They just scoop it up, put it in, scoop it up, put it in. So all of a sudden, I was getting my project done like in warp speed. And we worked. It was well after dark. These guys were just knocking it out. And we didn't quite finish, so they offered to come back and help the next day. And I said, well, you guys don't need to do that. But they insisted. And so sure enough, the next day, uh, right about the time that I was about ready to get out there and start working, um, two of the three guys came back. And they were ready to work. They came, now they were dressed in their work clothes. Now, I forgot to mention when they left the first day, before they left, they handed me the Book of the Mormon. And I didn't know quite, wasn't quite ready for that, so I took it. I thought, I don't know if I'll look at this or not. But after they left, I went in the house, I opened it, and... It was like alarms going off in my heart, my spirit, and I thought, okay, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not even keeping this in my house. I immediately threw the book away. And also that night, I went on the internet and just did a little quick search and started reading up on, you know, what do the Mormons believe? And so I was trying to, I was trying to get some idea as to what questions I could ask them. And I came up with a question. So the next day they showed up. We got the project knocked out. It didn't take that long. All of a sudden the the pile was gone. The dirt was spread. And 
I knew these guys, you know, they were seeking their reward. They wanted an opportunity to talk to me. And so I, I said, okay, let's go up on the porch and sit down and talk. And so we did. And I started by asking them a question. I said, you know, Jesus said, you must be born again. What do you say about that? Do you believe that's true? And the one guy started answering me, and he agreed, yes, you must be baptized in water and the Spirit. And I could tell, and it's very confusing talking to these guys because they're using the language that we use, we, the name of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. They talk about uh, a lot of the same things, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the uh, baptism in water and all these things, it sounds, in a lot of ways, that what they're saying, it sounds right. But yet, I could tell he, what he was saying, his interpretation of what the Lord Jesus was saying in John chapter 3, when he said, you must be born again, they took that to mean you must be baptized in water. And not only that, but you must be baptized by a uh, ordained priest and it must be a priest of the Mormon church because they believe that the ministry of the priest is still in operation today and that the average Joe cannot do much of anything unless, they, unless it's done through an ordained priest. And so their answer is, yes, we believe you must be born again, but what they mean by that is you must be baptized in water and the, by the Mormon procedure uh, under their structure. And so I told them, the Lord Jesus said, you must be born of water and the Spirit. And I told him the water that he's talking about is the water of when a woman's water breaks and a baby is born, the baby is born into this natural world in a physical body, when the water breaks, by water, they're born the first time into the physical world because you don't have any right. You know, Satan and all the fallen angels and the demonic spirits, they do not have physical bodies. And so they have no legal right to be on the planet because the way that God created it, when he created Adam and Eve, he set up a system whereby they could be fruitful and multiply, that they could... Uh, bear children, and that their children would be born into the earth legally, because it's the way God ordained it, to be born of a woman, and not to be just a spirit floating around harassing the people who live here without any legal body. And so that's why today Satan can't do anything in the earth uh, without uh, getting someone who has legal authority, someone who has a physical body, to do it for him. He has to get us to be so deceived that we actually do what he wants done, that we do his will for him because he himself has no body. And so that's what the Lord Jesus was talking about when he said, you must be born of water and the spirit. And when he's talking about the spirit, he's talking about the birth, the recreation of the, the inner man when we surrender our heart and life to, to make Him the Lord of our life, and then we are born again at that moment, 
when he does a recreative miracle that we don't we don't see it in the natural physical realm because it's on the inside in our heart but on the inside we become literally a new creation just as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 if anyone is in Christ he's a new creature the old things have passed away and behold new things have come and so at the very moment that we are born again we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom of light our sins are forgiven and we are we we are moved to a new position in the spiritual realm we're raised from the dead literally and it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 that he seats us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus and so we are raised up to a very high level instantly and it takes us a lifetime to learn all about what just happened but it's a recreative miracle that God does in the heart of a person when they sincerely you know not just giving lip service but I'm talking about when they surrender their heart and they really genuinely want God to be their lord and they confess it with their mouth as it says in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 and then they're born again. And that's what he's talking about. And I could tell from talking to these two guys that they had been so indoctrinated in the teachings of the Mormon church and that the, the scriptures had been so twisted around in their minds that they had no idea what God was talking about. And they even had, you know, the the hierarchy of the church. They they The teaching, there's no coincidence that they, they structure their teaching to, to get people thinking that they have to have the Mormon priest. They, mo- they have to have the priest, the ordained priest, because they can't do it on their own. And it's a lot like the Catholics did for and still do, they, but they used to not even allow people to have a Bible because they want everybody to come through them. And they, they would even have the Bible written in Latin, and they would have the scriptures sung in Latin, so nobody knew what they were talking about. And it's a way of getting job security for themselves, and it's a way of prolonging or extending the life of their own religion, because everybody thinks they can't go to God direct. They can't do anything, basically, of any consequence without this ministry of these men. And it's total confusion. And I ask these guys, I don't even understand what you're doing here, because what is your mission? Because... God has already done everything he needs to do. He's already provided the scriptures. He's already done everything that ever needs to be done on the cross. And so everybody has access to God through Jesus Christ. Whosoever will can come to him. You know, he died for the sins of the whole world. We all have been granted access if we come to him on his terms. And so who who needs the Mormon church? Why I said, why not just go... Uh, and proclaim Jesus Christ and proclaim the liberty that everybody has to go to Jesus Christ direct and and to let them know that they don't need uh, the ministry of an ordained priest to, to have access to God. And so I began telling them my own testimony of how I know that I don't need the Mormon church because I know that I have daily encounters with God every day. And 
I told them that I have a relationship, I have established a relationship with God, and that I go to Him, and I enter into His presence, and He shows up. You know, it's not that I'm there by myself, but I show up, and He shows up, and we have fellowship together. And so I told them that I started doing that, and this was years ago, back in the 1990s. Um, I had done it for a time when I first got serious about God, but along the way I got away from it, and one day during a church service while I was worshiping God, He just put it on my heart and said, seek God first early in the day. And that comes straight from Psalm 63 where King David wrote, early will I seek thee. And David also talked about in that same verse, he says, my soul thirsts for thee, my flesh longs for thee, like in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. And that's exactly, and I told these guys, that's exactly what happened to me. It's like the verse that talks about the deer. It's as the deer pants for the water, my soul thirsts for you. And it's a supernatural work of God, and we don't even understand it. And I tried to explain it to these guys that when you enter into the presence of God, it's impossible to do that and not be transformed. I said it's very possible you can go to a, a dead, dry religious service, a man-made traditional service, and you can leave the place exactly the same way you came. But you cannot enter into the, to the tangible presence of Almighty God. You cannot enter His presence and not be changed. And so He does something, and we don't even have to understand it. And I told Him, I don't know, I don't understand what He does, but somehow He does something in our heart on the inside. It's like He's doing surgery on us, and some things are changed and moved around. And so when we get done, uh, we have something different and we don't even understand it, but then all of a sudden along the way you notice, oh my gosh, what is this aching on the inside of me? And that's how it got with me is, there, is uh, as I began to uh, commit myself to daily enter into His presence, along the way God did something in my heart as like a hook was put in me. And each day as I would rise up, if I didn't, if I didn't go immediately into my time with him, uh, you know, he might let me take care of a few little things, go to the bathroom, maybe whatever. Uh, but if I if I dilly dally, eventually, I'm going to feel this aching, and there's this emptiness. And whereas before, the day before, he may have saturated me and soaked me in his spirit and filled me with his peace and wonderful presence. Well, by the next day, you know, it's like that manna from heaven. It's only good for one day. It's a one-day supply. And no matter how good it was the day before, when the next day comes, it's not enough. And that aching comes. And it's just like David said, my soul is so thirsty. My flesh is longing. And there's something on the inside of me that says, oh, God, I have to have you. And so you get in his presence. And I told him, for me, I have to have anointed music on. I, I turn on an anointed music that helps me because it talks about we, we enter into his gates with singing. And so the singing helps us. It helps our, get our mind off of our uh, problems and off of ourselves. And we begin to... Um, you know, align our, our thoughts with Him. 
And so we just turn, I just turn on the music and in, incline my heart to seek God and to be right with Him. And as I do that, you know, He does His part. I, I don't know how He does it, but somehow he, His Spirit comes into the place and fills the place and, and changes the atmosphere. And whereas before I go in with all sorts of cares and all sorts of, all sorts of worries and fears and just the cares of the world, the burdens of the world, it's like they're, they're suffocating me, you know, when it starts. It's like I can't even, I mean, I make my wife miserable to be around her if I haven't had my prayer time, if I haven't had my encounter uh, time. But I told these guys that it's like I've become an addict. I've become like a junkie. I've got to have my fix. And so I just cast my cares on him. I give him all those burdens. And as I do that, somehow, supernaturally, he takes them away. And he comes in and floods the room with peace. And his glory fills the room his presence, a tangible, I'm not talking about an imaginary presence, I'm talking about a tangible that you can, and even in the physical realm, you can feel it. His presence comes into, I can tell exactly when he comes in, and usually it doesn't take long, but I go through different times, and it's some, sometimes uh, it will take longer than others. But that tangible presence comes in, and, and just completely fills the place. And it's the glory of God. And if I could, if I could see, if my eyes were open, I, I'm sure I would see angels. And I have, on rare occasions, seen angels, but normally I don't see any, anything. I just feel the presence of God. And by the time my encounter is done, I can't remember what it was that I was so... Uh, burdened by, or what was weighing me down with all the cares and fears. I I can't even, they don't even enter my mind. They're not mine anymore. I gave them to him and he took them. And so I'm completely free, completely at peace, filled with, it's a supernatural peace. And it talks about in the scriptures, it's a peace that goes beyond understanding. You cannot explain it. But yet you, on the inside, it's just this flood of peace. Everything is well. Everything is wonderful. And so you're left with just joy. You know, hey, let's just enjoy the day. Let's just enjoy the beauty of this day, knowing that it's all well and that God's got it. And it's going to be all right. And we have nothing to fear. And that comes from a daily encounter. And, and I believe, you know, God wants each of us to know that we can enter into that that we can receive from Him, that He's willing, ready, and available, and well able to take our burdens and our cares, if all we'll do is just give it over to Him. And so I'm telling this testimony to these Mormon guys, and they're just sitting there with their eyes wide open, looking at me like they've never heard anything like this before. And I didn't know until later, but my wife was right inside on the other side. Uh, we were on the front porch, and so she was just inside the house. And from where her office is, she could hear, and she, was, <laughs> she said she was saying yes, because she knew I was doing all the talking. 
And so she began to realize that this was not a waste of time. No time was wasted because these guys helped me get my work done. And then I was given the opportunity to share a testimony with them and to challenge them. I challenged the very mission of what they're doing. And I specifically asked them, what is your mission? Because you're you're trying to get people to follow the Mormon church when nobody needs that. I said, if I needed that, then I would, that I, just, it would be impossible for me to have my daily encounters if I had to wait and go through an ordained priest of the Mormon church. I said, I've never known anything about the Mormon church, and I've been having these encounters for decades, and it's every day, and I can't live without it. And I said, so I'm a living testimony that the Mormon church is not necessary, and what you should be doing is uh, reaching out to people to lead them to Jesus Christ and not to the Mormon church. And so they came back and told me that, you know, and they felt like they had a witness in their heart and that this Mormon, the Book of the Mormon was true and blah, 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 whatever. And we kind of left it there. But I thank God for the opportunity to share my testimony with these young men because I don't know where they're at, but they, if they're, if they're genuinely seeking God in their heart uh, and they hear a testimony that uh, rings true, and the, the one guy even said, what you've spoken is true. Now, you know, I know that in his mind he must have been reeling because if what I was speaking was true, then everything he's been doing for the past two years has been a complete waste of time. So I'm just praying that God, we, you know, the word that I spoke, that God would water that seed, and where, where I shared my testimony, someone else would come along, and the, the Holy Spirit would, would also just open his eyes that if, he's, if, if those guys are seeking the truth, if they genuinely want to know God, then they can take whatever I said to God, because I challenged many of the scriptures that they've been that have been uh, taught to them, and they've been uh, so confused and so twisted around and taking things that the Scriptures don't say and claiming that it says something that's not there. And if they're genuinely seeking the truth, God will show them. And so I'm, my prayer is that God would open their hearts and eyes to see and to know uh, Him and the truth according to the scriptures and not according to the Mormon church. And so I believe the whole encounter with those guys was a God sin. I think God knew I was never going to get that project done between my sore back and as slow as I was working, it was not going to get done. And, you know, out of the blue, I don't, we've lived here 15 years. I don't think we've ever had Mormons come to our house. We live kind of out of the way. And so what are the odds that at the very time when I'm trying to get this huge pile of dirt moved, that three young guys come walking up my driveway? That had to be a God encounter. So I'm believing God will use every word I spoke to them, that my testimony will ring in their minds and in their hearts, and that they will think, you know, because if they're truly seeking God, He can use what I said and to let them know that there's something more that's available 
and that people out there are accessing the throne room of God without any help from the priest, the ordained priest of the, of the Mormon church. There's a real conflict there between what they've been indoctrinated with and how the scriptures have been twisted in their minds and the testimony, comparing that to the testimony that I just gave them, is like the one or the other. They cannot both be true. Either this person, either I'm telling them a bunch of baloney or the Mormon uh, church is telling them baloney, one or the other. And so my prayer is that those guys, if they have a heart that truly wants to seek after God and not after uh, man-made traditions, that God will use every word I spoke to draw them to Him and send workers into their path that will finish the work. And so that, including the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, if they'll just cry out to Him, that He'll help them to see the truth and to come out of the bondage of uh, what men have put, put them under. It is a bondage. Now, I wasn't planning on sharing this testimony because Z3 News focuses on news. Uh, what is God saying to us uh, that's relevant for today? What's He saying? What's He revealing about the future? And I wasn't connecting the dots between my encounter with these Mormons, but I believe what He's showing us is very relevant because he's, this, we are the generation, we are the ones he was warning in Matthew 24. He specifically warned three times in that one chapter, beware of false prophets, they're coming in my name to mislead you. And he said they're going to mislead many people. And there's already 15 million Mormons, but that's just one example. And there's more, there's greater deception coming ahead. I mean, we're, we're getting warnings about uh, aliens coming in his name, scientists proclaiming, you know, that Jesus was, one of, was an alien, and who knows whatever kind of deception is coming. But the point is, there's, two, there's only two realms here. There's the natural, physical realm, and there's the spiritual realm. And everybody who lives by the natural realm, they're, they're led by what they see with their eyes, and their physical eyes, and hear with their physical ears. And those people, and I'm talking about Christians who love God, but if, if you're not led by that inner witness, if you haven't developed your heart uh, relationship with God to the level where you have some discernment about what is the Holy Spirit in you, what does He say? What is it? It's like when I picked up that Mormon book, alarms went off in my heart. You know, my mind doesn't have to understand all that. Throw it away, you know? What voice, what do we go by, you know? And so that's, that's the whole point, is we have to have our daily encounter with God so that we begin to develop our inner, that inner witness. We know His heart. We know His spirit. We know Him. And we know when He's, when he's leading and guiding, we're sensitive to His voice. And that, I'm telling you, is the only, it's going to be the only safe place. It already is. Deception is everywhere. They're coming knocking on your door trying to find you and, and to lead you astray. And so I believe God is upping the ante and things that, we're, that we could get away with in past times, we're not going to be able to get away with in future times. Things are changing. It's not always going to be the way we see it today. And so whatever we have to do, whatever changes we have to make, whatever we have to push aside in our schedule, you know, whatever it is, 
we have to we have to make those changes so that we can have that encounter time. You know, maybe it means you have to get up before daylight. Maybe it means you have to go to bed earlier so you can get up earlier. Maybe it means you have to uh, quit something. Maybe it means you have to quit some relationships. Maybe it means you have to turn off some television programs. Whatever it means, whatever price it is, it's time. This is the time. We have uh, a little window of time where there's some normal life ahead, and then it's over. And then we go into uh, more turbulent times. And it's not so easy during those times. To, uh, it, it's much more, much more challenging to say, well, I'm going to go uh, you know, have my encounter time with God when there's turmoil, you know, and people are, are wanting answers and they want them now, you know. And so we have to build ourselves up by seeking Him daily and training our heart and training our spirit and developing discernment through practice. And that's what it talks about in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, that little baby Christians can't discern things. Little babies, like in the natural, a little baby will pick up uh, anything off the floor and put it right in their mouth because they have no discernment. And that's how baby Christians are. There's lacking in discernment. And so we have to train. And the good news is in that verse, it says that we can develop discernment by training, by practicing. We can practice and have our senses trained so we can discern what's from God and what's from what's not from God, what is good and what is evil. And so I believe that's the that's the reason God put it on my heart to share this testimony. So thanks for joining me today, and I hope to be back again soon with another program. Until then, so long. <laughs>